0: Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team,
1: the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack, go. What the hell's going
2: on out here? Everybody's grabbing out there. Nobody's touching. Keep grabbing, everybody.
1: trouble. It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he
2: have a vintage moment in, it? in the zone, it is for the win! So welcome to episode 75 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lowell. Peter Jones is with me today. No Todd, but we have a very special guest with us tonight. Ken Ingles, the internet cap guru of the Green Bay Packers with 17,000 followers, probably Russ Ball has a burner in there and follows Ken to try to get some information from him. Ken, welcome. How are you tonight? Hey, guys.
0: Uh, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Yeah, there's no way Russ Ball is following me to get information. I'm just some guy on the internet, but I do what I can. I appreciate you having me here and i um, excited to talk some Packers and maybe get in some cap details along the way. Let's do it. So thanks to
2: Rhonda at RNM Management and Dwight at DDGCustoms.com. We're appreciative of you. You can follow us on Twitter at ADG Cheese, and you can email us adg cheese at gmail.com. Peter, it is episode 75. Who are we talking about today?
1: There's only one seventy-five that comes immediately to mind. Well, is the cup? The one that comes immediately to mind for the Packers as far as Craig. Hall of Famer, every accolade in the game, six-time NFL champion. What is there to say? Play for the Packers from 56 to 70. And of course, later went on to coach the Packers in the mid 80s, coached Cincinnati Bengals before that the Super Bowl, their first Super Bowl against the 49ers. One of the all-time great Packers, right tackle through that Lombardi era of the late 50s and 60s, nine-time Pro Bowler, seven-time. What more can you say about one of the greatest players that's ever played for the Packers? Vince Lombardi is quoted as saying "Is the greatest player that he ever coached. Whether that's a true quote or not, I don't know, but it's been quoted and repeated in a number of places what more can you say about forrest Gregg? on all of the nfl's all-time great teams the 75th anniversary team the 100th anniversary team and i guess the only other thing i really want to say is because the other 75 that came to our mind which is more of our era certainly dale and I era ken's a lot younger than us was ken rutgers and of course forrest Gregg was the head coach of the packers when they drafted kenny rutgers in in 85 in the first round and rutgers was a really good left tackle for A decade or more managed to win a Super Bowl ring on that 96 team although he was injured for most of that year just a super super player who didn't get the recognition that he should have got playing on some not such good Packers teams over that time so certainly a couple of really good 75s there and there's probably a bunch of others but those were the two that immediately come to mind
2: Brian Bulaga is the one that comes to my mind directly you know we went through a lot of you know a lot of numbers there's some real shit numbers in Packers (laughs) history 75 just happens to not be one of them we have an amazing guest on episode 75 which is awesome
1: well i'm gonna let ken introduce himself before he before he does that he's gonna tell us about hopefully about how he got into doing what he's doing with the with the salary cap and stuff ken and i have known each other via the fantastic medium of social media for a few years now i've been kind of quietly beavering away doing my own salary cap stuff for a decade or more with spreadsheets and bits of paper and and whatever else. And it was when Aaron Rodgers signed one of his contract extensions, I think the one in 2018, and I sat there and beavered away and worked out the cost. And everybody was on social media putting out a different cap number. And I'm thinking, well, I must have calculated this wrong, but I kept looking at it, kept looking at it. And then there was this one person on social media in the great vast area of social media that had the same number that I did, and it was Ken. And that's how I first kind of came across Ken. As we started to kind of talk on Twitter and message each other, I realized that this guy knew far more about the salary cap than I ever would, was a lot more detailed than I ever, ever could be. You know, we kind of went back and forth and just was a fantastic learning experience for me. And Ken's just a super guy and I was really thrilled to have him on the show. And having done all that, I hope Ken's just going to tell us about how he first got into the kind of salary cap stuff in the background and what have you. Oh man, that's an awesome
0: story, Peter. I I remember that too. Like I, I remember Twitter was tripping over themselves and it wasn't just casual fans. There's writers for you yeah. know <laughs> for big publications that had the number wrong. And I remember even like tweeting out like, I'm surprised that no one has the right number. It's this. And then you're like, yeah, that's what I have too. And that's how we that's how we kind of, you know, you and I hit it off and you were sharing some information that you had comparing notes i was going back and forth we were getting into the weeds on some numbers and it was a great relationship that kind of sprouted i will say there is no ken Ingalls if there isn't um, a peter or an i.t hedgehog I'll, I'll say that right now this is the first time you know like we're we're seeing each other face to face on the zoom call this is the first time i've met peter but i feel like like we've got this bond we have this relationship we check in with each other from time to time He's helped me and encouraged me along the way and kind of gave me that extra boost of confidence to kind of help me, you know, say I was on the right track with doing all this. So for all those out there who love me or hate me, you can uh, point Peter and uh, he could take the blame or the, uh, or the accolades there because he's really helped me along the way. As far as my background and like getting into this, as I, you know, was a have been a lifelong Packer fan. I've always, I've always been a fan of the offseason. I was a big draft guy for a while. But then I started getting frustrated, like a lot of fans. Why aren't the Packers able to sign this guy? Or why aren't they making moves in free agency? Or why aren't they making this trade? You know, I started learning about this thing called the salary cap and how the salary cap kind of controls all that. And I'm like, hmm, well, if that's the case, I want to learn more about it. And there were some writers along the way that I kind of picked up a little bit here and there. But where it really picked up for me Was, you know, there's the two main sites that everyone kind of knows there's over the cap and spot track that's out there. And I'm like, their numbers don't agree. Why? So that's kind of how it started. I just kind of looked at both of their sites and I literally had a spreadsheet of this is what they say for this player. This is what they say for this player. Here's a difference. Why? What could it possibly be? And then I just kind of learned and read the cap or read the CBA learn more and more, met some folks and I'm someone who in my day job, I'm an accountant, I'm a CPA, I crunch numbers. People say you must really love math or understand math to be an accountant or a CPA. I say no. If you can add, subtract, multiply and divide using a calculator or spreadsheet or computer, that's the math you need. Being an accountant is just knowing like how the numbers represent business. And for me, it's the perfect marriage with my Packers fandom is that I love the numbers side of the Packers business. And for me, it's almost like my own little crystal ball that I've created. And it's kind of taken off. I never expected to do this. I was just kind of shouting into the void on Twitter when people would say, hey, we need to sign OBJ for like the 10th year in a row. And I'm like, guys, it's not going to happen. Here's why. And people started kind of following along and here I am. I guess I've
2: overcome all my sadness and crazy emotions from the end of this Packers season. So I, I don't know. I don't really need to talk about it anymore. I feel like I've addressed it. From a cap side, and I know this isn't in the notes, so I apologize for throwing this on you. It has been said that the Packers basically went all in and this was a season of huge debt and they were going to win a Super Bowl with this group. Do you agree with that? I mean, are they,
0: were they all in as far as money goes? Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. So obviously the COVID year with the salary cap dropping, that was going to be an obstacle no matter what into this 2021 season. And the team was going to have to kind of get over some hurdles and maybe not have some guys back, but I don't think I've ever seen the Packers go (laughs) do these type of moves and go all in like they did. In order to bring the team back together, They pushed out over $50.9 million of money that should have hit this year's cap that they just pushed into the future years to keep everyone around. And while it might not look like going all in because a lot of the names and faces are the same guys who are here more or less that were here in 2020, save for Devondre Campbell, who was here on a cheap deal and wasn't really expected to be an all-pro middle linebacker or a Roswell Douglas who came in off the scrap heap of of a practice squad who you know, was a a turnover machine for the Packers and was key as an injury replacement and a productivity replacement in that secondary. For the most part, this team is exactly who they were the prior year. And with that, they more or less pushed the chips to the center of the table and said, we're going for it. The Rams did a similar thing. The Rams, they did some crazy moves cap-wise. They didn't necessarily do as many restructures, but they traded Goff, which put a huge anchor on their cap. And then they traded away all their draft picks and draft capital. They haven't had a first round pick in what, like nine, 10 years. It's crazy. They're all in in a different way. The Packers are all in from a money perspective. And that's the unfortunate part about going all in is that many Packers fans, you hear year year after year, you know, they just need to go for it. They just need to go for it. I'll be okay if the team's not as good in the future, as long as they go for it and win a Super Bowl. Well, they went for it. They're not playing in the Super Bowl this weekend. Now we're on the other side of that hill and now they kind of have to pay those those uh cap credit card bills as I call them. and it'll be a little bit of an obstacle for sure like they're facing the second worst cap situation in the league and that's gonna that's gonna create some work for this front office.
2: Saints right are the other team that's worse off than the Packers cap wise? you think the cap situation had anything to do with Sean Payton leaving and retiring? retiring i say in quotes because i feel like he'll be back in like two years
1: it wouldn't surprise me at all it wouldn't in the least bit surprise me and certainly if at the very least he was teetering on the edge or couldn't decide it was 50 50 whatever else i think that would be enough to probably say yeah i'll probably walk now and i'll i'll wait for a year or two years and see what see what team's in a much better position and maybe even i'll go to a team that's got a an experienced quarterback at that stage and Sounds probably like a good idea.
0: I think there's a rumor, too, that he might have a uh, job lined up in the broadcast booth at Fox. So that might help ease the tension a little bit because they uh, they've have lots of money to pay. They
2: don't have salary cap issues at Fox.
1: <laughs> Peter, you want to start with the questions? Yeah, sure. The right place to start, Ken, is just generally speaking, if we try and summarize where the Packers kind of stand right now in terms of the cap or where they'll stand in in March when the new league year starts. So where
0: the Packers are right now, I'll start off by saying it doesn't really matter where they are now. As we're talking here in early February, it really matters where they are at March 16th. And that number can't be less than zero. Now how they get there, that matters right now. They've got 51 players. They just signed their 51st player, a tight end who um, had spent some time on a few practice squads, you know, over the past few seasons. He's player number 51 that's under under contract. The Packers have four more guys who are technically under contract, but the Packers used those newfangled things that we heard about this year for the first time, at least many of us did, was uh, void years. So their contracts are going to, before March 16th, just turn to dust and they will be unrestricted free agents. And unfortunately, all that money that they pushed out will be, you know, hit their cap in 2022. So all those things considered with their 51 guys under contract and the four guys who are going to be subject to void years, they're $52.9 million over the cap all in. Now that doesn't include the draft. That doesn't include any of their free agents. They've got 23 pending free agents across the multiple tiers of free agency. There's the exclusive rights guys who have less than three years of experience. Those guys are cheap and easy to come back, but they still are gonna cost money, a few million dollars. Alan Lazard is the loan restricted free agent. They've got a lot of options there with what to do with him. The more they want to keep him, the more expensive he gets, it's all the way up to probably a, a second-round tender if they want to place it on him, meaning that he'll come back to the Packers. He can sign with another team if they're willing to give up a second-round pick to take him away. If the Packers do that, that's just shy of $4 million for Lazard. And they got a, a bunch of guys who are unrestricted in voids. If they only bring back their exclusive rights guys in Lazard, that puts them at $76 million over the cap at that March 16th deadline. And it's likely that they want to bring back Lazard and those exclusive rights guys. So that's even more that we're adding on to the pile. But we're not done because then there's this thing that we call the draft that happens in April that'll add about another $2.6 million. So now they're seventy-nine $79 million over the cap if they do nothing else. And then they got to get ready for the regular season. There's that thing called the practice squad those guys do count against the salary cap. I get that question a lot. Hey, they're not on the roster. Did they count? Yeah, they do. And that's going to be another three and a half million. There's a rule in the off season where only the top 51 guys count. And I mentioned earlier that the Packers are at 51 right now, but we all know that when the regular season starts, that bumps up to 53 guys on the active roster. So there's another million and a half plus the Packers Make a lot of moves during the year. They're going to need at least, and this is like bare minimum, five million dollars of an in-season piggy bank just to kind of get by. That's actually probably going to be closer to seven and a half or ten. If you add all those things up, meaning if they if they do nothing else and they only bring back Lazard, and there are eight guys who are exclusive rights guys who are, you know, your guys who have one or two years of experience in the league and the draft. They're 89 and a half million dollars over the cap, all that. So they have a lot of work to do between now and March 16th to make sure that that number is zero at March 16th and then create even more room to pay for those other things I talked about, the draft. And then, hey, maybe they want to bring back some free agents. Maybe they want to sign a Devonte Adams or Devondre Campbell or those other 23 guys who are on this roster whose contracts are expiring or guys from across the league. As we know, Guttekens has been more willing to dip in the free agency. In order to do that, you have to have the money to spend. So there are ways to get there, but that's, that's where we're at right now. The sky isn't falling by any means, but it's going to be some definitely some tough choices as we go ahead.
2: The sky is not falling at $89 million over <laughs> the cap. That's, that's interesting you say that. Because the next question would be, do you have major concerns? We already addressed that. So let's keep going. The albatross or the elephant in the room is Aaron Rodgers. One of the largest contracts. Well, he is the largest contract on the Packers roster, right? At this point. Oh yeah. Where's he at? He's at $46.6 million. Which is half of that $89 $89 million that you just talked about. What are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers? Does he stay? Does he retire? Can we trade him? Will we? Will we trade him? That kind of thing. What are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers
0: and his future with Green Bay? That is such a loaded question, man. And I and I bet none of the none of the news networks or radio or podcasts are gonna you know want to know the answer to that between now and uh, the start of the year, right? That's all we're gonna hear about this off season. And if if I truly knew the answer to that question, I'd be placing a large bet down in Vegas somewhere to to know where that's gonna roll out.
2: Let's talk thought, about then what, what would happen. He right, says right. it's a $46 million hit
0: this year. Right. So let me paint this picture. So his cap number is, you know, let's say $47 million just to keep it nice and, and even. He's only getting paid $27 million. I say only with a grain of salt. You know, this is, you know, when, but you make that comparison. The difference is $20 million. And that's that's all this backloading. That's all this restructuring. That's all this like going all in type of moves that the Packers have done. So the Packers, with Aaron Rodgers specifically, they gave him a big signing bonus when he signed that contract in 2018. And they've restructured his contract two times since then, including the one right before training camp to get him you know, back on the field and ready to play ball this year. Packers pushed even more money out because, and they ultimately needed every penny of that so that they could get through the season. There's a lot of pain with that contract. I'll say this there's 0% chance that Rogers comes back and plays on that contract as it exists today. It just can't happen. So what are the real options? And I say real options because I don't see a retirement. I I just don't. I don't see a way where he comes back on a one-year deal and then walks next year. That doesn't really seem like it's on the table for me. And I don't think he's taking a pay cut. Even if he took a pay cut, Even if Aaron Rodgers took the league minimum for a guy who's been in the league as long as he has, his cap hit would be like $20.3 million for a guy making just over a million. Again, because it's all that previous pain that the Packers had pushed out. (laughs) Let's face it. Aaron Rodgers is not playing for like a million dollars, right? It could be all over the board. He could want to be the highest paid player in the league. And that's over $45 million right now. The Packers could do that they could extend him long-term and save money on the cap that his cap number would probably go down 10 to like $15 million from that 46. So it'd be probably between like 30 and $35 million on the cap, which is still not cheap by any means, but that would be one step. The Packers could also trade Aaron Rodgers. I said on draft night when Jordan Love was traded, you know, I immediately dove into my spreadsheets and I started crunching the numbers because that's what I do. And I looked at all the scenarios and I immediately circled 2022 It's like, if they're going to do, if they're going to move on, this would be the year to do it financially. Now the added restructure that again, before this season complicated that a little bit, but it's still, it's still very doable. If they were to trade Aaron Rodgers, they would save just shy of $20 million on the cap. As Peter knows, you can't trade a player until after that March 16th deadline to when you need to be under the cap. So they would need to kind of hold on to Aaron Rodgers' contract as it is, get under the cap, basically at that $46 million, and then trade them and gain the 20. So it does add a little bit of extra complication to the math and the order of operations. If you go back to prior years, right, just last year with the Stafford and Goff trade, that was reported in February. Everyone knew that Stafford and Goff were going to switch teams, but they couldn't pull off that deal until the league year started. When free agency starts, that's when the league year starts and you have to be under the cap. There's a million different ways this could go. I know right now, everything we're hearing from the team, we want Rodgers back, we want Aaron back, all of us are in lockstep. We want him back. Yes, everyone's saying the exact same kind of company notes here. I look at it as what else could they possibly say? If you're Mark Murphy or if you're the head coach and you're asked in an interview, hey, are you going to trade Aaron Rodgers? You're not going to say, yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to do it. Give us a call. They're saying the right things. I think they're keeping their, their options open. You know, it really depends. Like Rodgers could say, I want out he could say, I want to be the guy long-term. The Packers could have their own ideas of what they want to do. I look at a guy like Jordan Love, and I've said this from the very beginning, from that first draft night, I'm like, look, it doesn't matter if Aaron Rodgers wins the MVP in 2021 for the second year in a row, and they even win the Super Bowl. If the Green Bay Packers think that Jordan Love is the future of this franchise, and he's ready to go in 2022, they'll trade him regardless. They'll trade Rodgers, period. Because you have that first round cheap, young player. If the Packers organization feels that this is the guy, we feel confident in him. And you're looking at an Aaron Rodgers, even though he's coming off a likely back-to-back MVP season, I think they have to make that move, especially if they can get treasure chest of future compensation and potential players for a move like that. If I had to bet, I would still say today, as we're talking, that Aaron Rodgers does get traded. I know I'm kind of on alone on that hill. Um, Andrew Brandt, who talks about the Packers a lot and in, in the business of sports and football, I feel like he and I are like the lone people with the flag planted on that hill. And at this point, nothing has truly swayed me from that. And we'll we'll see where it goes. But yeah, you're right in terms of timing and how the Packers navigate the situation. It totally hinges on Aaron Rodgers. I know he gave a d- deadline of, oh, by the franchise tag deadline or whatever. That's way too late. The Packers need to know like what they're going to do like, in a week. I'm sure they have an idea of what their options are. They've played this out a thousand different scenarios. They know what they need to do with Rodgers on this team, with Elder Rodgers on this team, and all the ways in between.
1: My concern, and Ken will correct me if I'm wrong, but if they want want him to stay and he wants to stay, and they extend his contract by, let's say four years or five years, which which there'll have to be something along those lines to be able to spread what I assume is a huge signing bonus that he's going to want to make that number perhaps 40 million average per year, or if he wants the 45 a year, whatever it may be. My fear about that is that if after two years, he decides, actually, you know what, I'm re- now ready to retire. Packers have got this accelerated dead cat hit. Of the remainder of that signing bonus, which could be sixty million in one year, I'm just right. throwing, a num- throwing a number out there. But that's a pretty good yeah. number.
0: I have, you know, I've I've ran a scenario. I'm like, okay, let's say they make give them a four year extension, so putting them through 2025. At $45 million a year of new money over those new four years. Again, if let's say he retired in 2024, yeah, $53 million I have is the dead cap at that point. And it's it's crazy. That's a real risk. You know, Rogers has openly talked about retirement now for two years. It's deja vu all over again it with is, that uh, yeah. with that Mr. Favre with the situation. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know. And you know, and and for the longest time, that was that was a narrative, right? It's like, well, Rogers had never he was never talking about retirement, right? Like it's different with Rogers because he's never talked about it, he's never contemplated it. Well, now he has this is the second offseason now in a row. He's gonna be turning 39 this upcoming season. There's a huge risk. There's not a huge sample size of quarterbacks who play exceedingly well into their 40s. Now everyone's gonna point to Tom Brady. Yes, name one more. <laughs> name two more. Even if you like you know maybe you'll point to like a Drew Brees or when they lose it it seems to go fast. And at the same time the market rate for quarterbacks at that age has been $25 million for like 3 years in a row. You look at what Brady has been doing, you look at what Drew Brees did, you look at um Philip Rivers. You know, he was approaching that age as well like All these guys, they get to the end stages of their career and the team has that same fear, I think, Peter, where we can't give you a $60 million signing bonus and then have you decide to retire in a year or two because all that comes rushing back and it just sits as a humongous anchor on the team. And so they kind of do these one at a time push out year type things and they keep the money relatively low in order to avoid that huge, huge anchor. But I think even with like Tom Brady, he's got $32 million. So he's retiring. He's calling it a career. He's got a $32 million hit that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to deal with over the next two seasons because of that decision and how they kind of, they won the Super Bowl. They push their chips to the center of the table again. So, okay, we're going to do another run. They did some of the same type of thing with Brady. And now he decided, yeah, just one year later, I'm done. And now they've got a $32 million credit card bill staring them in the face. It's crippling.
2: That cap hit or that dead cap hit, if he decides to leave after a couple of years, it puts us in a relatively same situation that the Saints are in or or
0: the Bucs. So another question I get a lot too with that is like, well, can't the Packers go after that? And wouldn't that provide relief? That's tough, right? So yes, technically, the teams can go after that money if it's a signing bonus. So let's say you sign a signing bonus and it's over 5 years and you retire after 2. Those additional 3, they could come back and say, "You know what? You know, that's prepaid salary and you know, you owe us that money because for services not performed because you decided to retire early." Only team I can think of in recent history who decided to do that was the Detroit Lions. And they did that with uh, Barry Sanders and with Megatron. And they both have very strained relationships with both of those players. Creates a lot of, <laughs> you know, PR and nightmare and headaches and relationship issues for your, your star former faces of your franchise. But even if they were to do something like that, it waits a year and you want to get the relief until the following year. So it's not like it's, it's a, you know, complete wash. It, you still have to go through a short-term humongous process period of pain in order to then you know get the get the relief but then at what cost because you've now just alienated a future hall of famer face of your franchise you know so that, that there's risk with that
1: absolutely and also you the danger is you alienate potential future free agents you turn around and say mm-hmm. actually you know what if they're going to come after them, i'm going to go somewhere else I guess the other one that comes springing to my mind is is, is Andrew Lux, obviously a recent example of a yep. player that retired shortly after signing a decent sized contract, and and the Colts took the decision not to go after after that money for all the reasons that Ken's just described. Right, and I think he had just signed like a, yeah, it was yeah. like a year or two
0: after I, I forget the exact math, but I remember it was a humongous number. Yeah. Tony Romo was another recent example as well, where he had he had a lot of money left over on that on his deal when, when he retired, I think it was over $20 million and the Cowboys just, you know, they, they sat on it and they said, thank you for all, thank you for your services. We're not going to come back. And again, it's, yeah, they could have gone after the money, but it, it, at what cost? It's a huge risk and something the Packers obviously have to have baked into their, into their huge puzzle of what to do with Aaron Rodgers is to, yes, if they want, if they want Rodgers on this team. For the short term and the near long term, they need to mitigate that a little bit. With if he does decide to hang it up, what does that mean for our future financial viability? How much? How much of it is worth it? So that it's like a sliding scale, and they have to understand where they want to lie on that in terms of comfort level. And I don't know that answer. If nobody does, and you start to, if you think about it with your
2: head, if Packer fans start to think about it with their heads. Maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't the right decision at this point. My, my heart says, man, come on back. Let's try to figure it out. You know, forget the money. But I'm old enough to remember the bad times, mm-hmm. the late 70s, early 80s. And I'm not sure I want to go to that. I don't want to go back to that. I'm too old for that kind of mess now. I can't recover. So <laughs> it's a tough one. It's a tough one to, to to say yes or no on. I know there's the majority of folks I've talked to want him back. And I do, too. But, again, At what cost? That's what it comes down to. Can we talk a little bit about, I know you said that the Packers would have to get under the cap, then trade Aaron Rodgers. There have been some prospective trades out there. I was talking to someone who's, because the Raiders have a ton of cap room and might be able to bring Rodgers and Adams as a pair. The the Raiders have come up. Um, Any thoughts on that? Is that even a possibility for the Packers to trade, Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr and picks and that
0: kind of thing? Yes, it's it's absolutely possible. So if the Packers traded Rodgers, so the specific number, they would gain $19.8 million in cap space in that trade. They would take on Carr. He costs $19.8 million in a trade. <laughs> so it's literally a wash. So, okay. so it's like, okay, if you don't want Rodgers and you'd prefer Carr in that situation, so you're just doing like a one-for-one, and then you'd have to absolutely find a way to to push out and re- renegotiate, extend, you know, a car type of contract. So the Raiders would take a bath a little bit on some of the money that they've they've paid with car. Same thing with the Packers. There's nothing the Packers can't do in terms of the trade. They have plenty of levers to get to where they need to go. Like in terms of you know having enough space, it's a matter of will they have enough cap space at the time of the trade. So whoever they're getting back, it, so if the Packers are, say, at $0 of cap space, right? So $19.8 million is what they save it with Rodgers. They would only be able to take on $19.8 million immediately. They would have to land on the Packers' books. Even for one second, they would have to land on the books, be under the cap, and then two seconds later sign – mega extensions and reduce their hits, but they need to be able to facilitate the trade first, if that makes sense. Think of it like your own bank account, right? You can't make a big purchase and then get a big deposit and ever go under zero, right? You have to always stay above zero, otherwise your bank's going to get mad at you, right? So think about it that way. Oh. It's, it's, have you been looking at my bank account, Ken? Because I can <laughs> totally relate to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's lots of scenarios, Yeah. With like who and what they can pick up, there's different arguments of whether or not the Packers would want a court, you know, a veteran quarterback in return, or if they're you know comfortable with you know what Love has shown them internally. I know as Packer fans, externally we really haven't seen people would say as enough to feel fully comfortable with a guy like Jordan Love. That's why I always say, and I I, I talk about it this way: if the Packers organization who sees this kid every single day, know his work ethic, knows how his you know. Whether he gets it or not, whether the lights are on, whether he understands the offense and what they want to do, I have no idea if, if that's happening or not. Right. And I don't think anyone really outside the organization does. But if they think, yeah, like I think this guy could do it, then I don't think they need to maybe bring in a car or you know, a, a Garoppolo, if that's another name I've seen thrown out there, or a lot of these veteran quarterbacks who are rumored to be on the move this offseason. It's going to be crazy. Trade compensation, too, is another thing. Like, I have no idea where this stands. We've never, like, if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, I think he would be the not the oldest ever player, but, like, the oldest ever player of this stature traded. And how do you value that? And then also, how do you value a back-to-back MVP player? Those two have to counteract. I see things like, oh, we need five first rounds and some second rounds and like three starters. And I'm like, guys, come on. That's
2: that'd be great. That that's
0: that's crazy talk. Five first round picks. If you think that your average first round pick should start or not start, but be a solid contributor for four years at like a minimum, and then be very likely to be an extension candidate for another four years. So like I think each first round pick, I think eight years. I think of eight years of top tier, not all of them are going to hit, but that's just kind of, you know, roughly. First contract plus another contract, probably a pretty good player. For a guy who's going to be pushing 40, giving up three, four, five first round picks plus other guys, I'm like, that's how many years of talent that you are as an organization willing to give up for two? three years of Aaron Rodgers and then what type of Aaron Rodgers are you going to get I don't know this situation is so crazy because we've never seen anything like this you know from the NFL perspective a player of this caliber and of this age potentially being on the trading block and what happens in that scenario you can be all over the board with this I'm curious what you guys
1: think yeah well I've kind of hung my hat and got into some reasonably heated debates on Twitter about this. And I I appreciate everybody's in kind of the same boat that sees things slightly differently. I would be shocked, absolutely shocked, if they got more than two first-round picks. Two first-round picks plus players is what I think they're likely to get. Now, of course, it depends on both sides. depends on what the Packers want and what the other team's prepared to give up. I just don't see teams mortgaging that much of their future for a player that may whilst he may play at an MVP level for another couple of years, his player as we've just talked about, could walk away at any time in those those two years, Mm -hmm. may suffer a career-ending injury in in those two years. And I think that traditionally, and again, Ken's absolutely right, we've never quite been in this position before, but traditionally, if you just go back and look at the history of trades where they've involved multiple number one picks, the team getting the player, whether it's Herschel Walker, whether it's Eric Dickerson, whether it's even um chicago you know recent years with mac it's the team getting the player actually tends to end up on the bottom end of that trade it'd be fantastic if you got multiple three four five number ones but i just don't see it i think it's two number ones plus players if a team offered three number ones and you just stopped right
0: there you just end like if you're on the phone and you're like brian hey this is so and so from xyz team interested in aaron Rodgers. Here's our offer. We want to offer you three number ones. You say yes, then. Like, he could have, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that could just be sentence one of, like, three sentences. Yes, you take three first-round picks, and you don't look back. There was, you know, I saw some stuff on social media, like, oh, the Broncos – First round picks for the next three years, plus a player, plus some other picks. And people are like, no, that's not enough. I'm like, you couldn't say a yes quick enough in that scenario, because the way I look at it, I'm a realist with some of these things. It's like, at some point, Aaron Rodgers is not going to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. It's tough, but yes, that is a fact of life. He will not be throwing the football for the Packers forever. As much as all of us, including myself, would love to watch it happen because the guy can do things I've never seen another quarterback be able to do. The Packers have to decide, and Aaron Rodgers has to decide, how does that relationship come to an end? Does it come on good terms? Does it come on bad terms? And then from a business perspective, how can the Packers benefit the most from the inevitable Aaron Rodgers no longer being the quarterback? And this is the offseason where if – if any type of transaction were to happen in a trade there is no time where the value will be as high as it is right now the packers can absolutely say great not worth it we want this guy to be the leader of our team for 2022 and beyond and damn any future compensation and i wouldn't i couldn't disagree with that if that's if that's what they want to go but there's a cost to either side of the equation here and i think we've talked you know a little bit about all their options and, and what all that means.
2: There's a lot of things that you said, Ken, that kind of now reverberate in my head. One of the things is if Derek Carr is $19.8 million, or whatever player you bring back, so you trade Rodgers, you get picks, and then you get players back, if there's not a significant cost savings, like if they're not young enough players to then restructure those players, you're just putting yourself in the same situation. Maybe not as bad because Rodgers' salary is so high, but the guys you get back also have to be worth
0: restructuring, too. Right. It's not like the NBA, right, where a lot of times we see trades with players and then they immediately just dump those guys' contracts or whatever. And then they're freeing up. It's, whoever you want to pick or pick up in a trade is you know, exactly you need to be able to a afford to execute the transaction. And then you want to be able to commit to these guys. If they have big salaries you know if you got some cheap guys on rookie contracts that's a whole other thing because they're coming over and they'll be dirt cheap so if you get guys who are like i don't know like people are talking about with with the broncos right like chubb or judy um you know they're or not Chubb, he he signed a recent deal but like judy like he's like two million dollars like you, you can right. you can make that trade bring on him because, you know, okay, you're still on the plus side of like 17 million in the equation. That's one of the reasons too, why we don't see a lot of player trades in or player for player trades in the NFL is because all this future prorated money with signing bonuses and void years and restructures and options and all these tricks that these salary cap managers pull out of their hat in order to make things work in the short term, when they pull that trade button, All that magic goes poof and it all comes rushing back and they have to, both teams need to be able to facilitate kind of the pain that comes with that. So a lot of times you only see one-sided player trades where it's a player for picks because most of the time you can't, you have to have teams who have are flush with cap, who can kind of take on the burden of getting rid of their high profile guys, eat all that cost and then make the trade. Like what we just saw with Goff and Stafford between the Rams and the Lions, we haven't seen something like that in, in a long time. I can't think of the latest comparison. And both of those teams ended up, I'd have to pull the math. Andrew Brandt does a really good job about talking about like how Jared Goff's cat for the Rams was like $20 million this year. And he didn't play a single snap for that. It's just like, it's, it's crazy what happens when some of these big names end up moving. And that's exactly what would happen with Rodgers. If the Packers were to trade Rodgers, they'd be sitting $26.8 million of dead cap on their books, even though they're saving almost $20 million in the process. But that's a huge number to sit For a that, guy
2: that's not play.: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so that's that's where a lot of this risk is. So let's move
2: on from Rogers, Peter. Let's talk a little Devontae Adams.
1: Yeah, and I guess the, I guess before we get into the the franchise tag itself, I guess the thing that I'm struggling in my head is this notion that Rogers and Adams may likely, whatever percentage you want to use, end up in the same place. And my struggle with that, and it goes back to this to this compensation thing, is is if a team's giving up. Multiple number ones, however many that may be for Rogers. Where are they going to get the trade collateral to then trade for Adams if, if, if Packers have got him on a franchise back? They've given up two number ones or even three number ones for Rogers. They've got no collateral left to be able to trade for Devontae Adams. So I'm really struggling with that one.
0: I think the way that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams play on the same team this year is if it's on the Green Bay Packers or if Rodgers gets traded to a team they are unable to retain Adams and Adams signs with that team after the fact in free agency. I don't see a realistic way where they're like, the Packers pull off the trade for both of them. It kind of goes back to what I said before with the order of operations. You can't trade Adams unless you franchise tag him because he's supposed to be a free agent. In order to throw the franchise tag on Devontae Adams, that costs $20.12 million and that number cannot be reduced. Uh, you can't restructure a franchise tag, right? You know, unless Devonte Adams agrees to it, but he wouldn't because he wants a long term deal. So take that out of the equation. And you would have to keep Aaron Rodgers at that forty, you know, almost forty seven million dollars. So you got forty seven million for Rodgers. You got twenty and change for Adams. That's over, that's, that's $67 million of cap. And then you're going to, that you have to hold on your books, even though you're facing $52 million right now that you need to get under and then pull off the trade. I think it's impossible. Not impossible. I won't say it's impossible. I think it's next to impossible. I think it's unlikely. And there's so many opportunity costs that come with that. So I don't think that they're able to do, pull off that scenario, Peter, just from a financial perspective, but then also, to your point, the, there's not enough number one picks to go around. And unless the team already you know, pulled off other transactions and has acquired a stock of extra firsts, it's just, it's just not going to work.
2: After all of those things said, there are a bunch of guys, Zedaria Smith, Preston Smith, Randall Cobb, Mason Crosby. Of the four, are any of them back? Okay, name those guys again. Zedaria Smith. Preston Smith, Randall Cobb, Mason Crosby. Any of those wearing Packer jerseys next
0: year? I think there's one name that I think does. Who do you think I'm thinking of? Just kind of curious. Preston Smith. I was going to say Preston Smith. Yeah, yeah, Preston. I think the other ones are gone. I do. There's a lot of different ways that this could go. In my mind, the bare minimum that the Packers need to do between now and the 16th is, I think Zedaria Smith is cut. I think Mason Crosby is cut or retires. The same goes to Mercedes Lewis. I think he's cut or retired. Randall Cobb gets cut, but the Aaron Rodgers factor, if he's back, plays into that because we all know that Cobb is here because of Aaron Rodgers wanting him to be here and pounding the table for for Cobb to be here. Maybe he takes a humongous pay cut far in advance to what Preston Smith had to do to stick on the team in 2021. I think Cobb would have to go pretty much close to the minimum to probably stick around. they would get similar savings of being cut. I'll just recap. So Zedarius, Crosby, Lewis, Cobb, I think are cut. In addition to that, I think you have to maximize a restructure on Clark, Aaron Jones, and David Bakhtiari. David Bakhtiari scares me, not because of the injury or how the Packers are able to perform in his absence this year, but because they did a... Big restructure on him last year. And we're seeing this with Rodgers. If you restructure on top of a restructure, you now have this mountain in the future that you can't push out any further. Once you restructure, that's kind of a big anchor. Past, you know, if they do a full restructure with Bakhtiari, 2023, his cap number is like north of $30 million. And he's looking like a franchise quarterback for a guy who doesn't play franchise quarterback. (laughs) It just becomes very tough, but I think they're going to have to do it. That's kind of where they're at the situation because they can't get rid of him. They can't trade him. They can't cut him. He's around and he has a humongous number. So they're going to have to work him. Then I think you extend Jair. They can pay him the highest paid cornerback salary in the league and still come up with north of $6 million of cap. They can mimic the Jalen Ramsey contract in terms of numbers and he still comes down. And I think you extend Preston Smith. And I think you can get another, you know, six or seven million dollars out of there. If you do all of that, bring back Lazard, like I talked about earlier, bring back your exclusive rights, guys. That gives you $3.2 million at the start of the league year at that March 16th deadline. So that gives you a little bit of room to play with if you want any of your free agents back who are not into that equation, like a Devontre Campbell, MVS, Rasul Douglas, Bohorquez, your punter. Like, even yes, like, you know, people think about, you know, if you want to bring back the punter, that's going to be a few million dollars. So that's a bare minimum. And that doesn't include. A franchise tag for Adams. It doesn't include a long-term deal for Adams. It also doesn't include a deal uh, for Rogers. If they extend Rogers, they could create another 10 and then that gives you a little bit more room. But on top of that, I think they're gonna have to look at guys like Billy Turner. What's his status? Is he gonna be cut? Is he gonna be restructured? Is he gonna be extended? Right, all three of those would not surprise me. And I would say the same thing for Adrian Amos. Uh, Dean Lowry. So Turner, Lowry, and Amos. Those are my three wild cards. The packers could decide to keep them around long term, restructure them this year and then they walk or just fully cut them, and none of them would surprise me. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. But those are where you're gonna get that extra money, you know, the extra walking around money to be able to bring a guy like so maybe Adams, it just becomes too expensive or the negotiations are really tough. and so you focus on an MVS so you can bring back cheaper. Maybe in order to do that, you're going to have to work something out with you know one of those three guys to be able to pull it off. In that minimum, though, I do have that they do trade Aaron Rodgers after you add in the draft and the practice squad and all the things we talked about at the top of the episode. That gives you $9 million all in to play with for the season. Smith gone, Crosby gone, Lewis gone, Cobb gone, extend two guys, restructure three guys, trade Rodgers, no franchise tags, no free agents. $9 million. Go. So if you want more than $9 million, you're going to have to do more things, whether that's cut additional guys, work out more guys. That's why right now the, the narrative circling back to Devonte is, oh yeah, they'll just tag them and trade them. I'm like, at what cost? Who are you going to additionally have to cut or restructure in order to pull that off to find another $20 million? That's why I think Adam's most likely path back to this roster is on a long-term deal where they do not have to use a franchise tag
2: Peter I'll ask you this I know I'd like to see what Ken says too but you're the draft guy we take all what Ken said into account which is a lot so you, hopefully your memory is good because he talked about a lot of things right there where do the Packers go on the draft taking all of this into consideration what do you think
1: you could almost pick any position not quite any position but most positions. So so if you took round one of the draft, they're not going quarterback, they're not going running back, they're not going tight end, probably. You could almost look at any other position, depending on what happens between now and the draft, and say, if the guy that they want is there, I'm going to take him, whether that's an offensive tackle. We talked about, touched on Billy Turner. Billy Turner's position has changed by that time. Defensive line's always a need for the Packers. Wide receiver, obviously. You know, you, you'd probably be looking at wide receiver at some point even if Adams was there you're certainly going to be looking at wide receiver if he's not there you're in this position again with this wide receiver class where it's really deep so for the third year in a row that's a really deep wide receiver class so then you're looking at actually could I get a guy in round two who's actually just about as good as a guy I can get at 28 in round one so you're asking those types of questions do I double dip on wide receivers potentially tight ends a possibility if there's a guy worth a late first round pick at tight end. There isn't an outstanding guy this this year. So there's no Kyle Pitts, that kind of guy this year. But I think, and it's a long answer to a short question, it's almost any position that they can get value for at that 28 pick, aside from quarterback and running. back.
0: I love Peter's draft guide. It's the one that for me is a must read. I read every single page, cover to cover. It's the one I look forward to every single year. I'll send you that $20 over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, it's true and i i i promote it without without compensation every year because i think it's i think it's top notch it's packers focus i i absolutely love it and i know last year what peter you predicted creed humphrey the center and uh there's a lot of people who are now saying hey maybe the packers should have looked at him in the you know over Myers, I'm like, and Myers is doing a pretty good job. Yeah, he got hurt, but yeah, Creed's doing one hell of a job. But man, for me, I'm not someone who's an advocate of wide receiver in the first round. I just I think that as a position as a whole, it's probably one of the most replaceable positions in an entire NFL roster. And you can get guys in later rounds who can do 90% of what the guys at the top of the top of the draft board can look like for. of the price. (laughs) So, but unfortunately the Packers are in a rough spot with wide receiver. I've been talking about it for two years and the Packers have done basically not a damn thing over that time to alleviate what's they're facing this year. I've always pointed to 2022 is like, they need to figure something out. Here's where they stand with wide receiver. The veteran in the room right now is Randall Cobb and he's very likely not to be on this roster. The next guy with experience is Jawan Winfrey. That's it. You've got Adams, Lazard, MVS, EQ, Malik Taylor. They're all free agents of some caliber or another. I think it's likely that a guy like Taylor and Lazard are back. Wouldn't surprise me though, if, if one of them aren't, they need to do something. They need to do a lot. And we all know how, especially if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, we all know kind of the narrative around how it takes a long time to get on his good side and his good graces. And that room is going to look a lot different one way or another, either at the top or at the bottom. Omari Rogers is the only guy signed to pass 2022. And I think he doesn't, I think he provided more questions and answers uh, this during his rookie campaign in 2021, both as a special teamer and as a contributor in the offense. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a year where they go heavy wide receiver and maybe triple dip like they've done that the position in years past or at other positions in years past. The quarterback position, if they go another first round pick, I, I think Twitter would explode. I think social media would cease to exist because of the bandwidth surge that would, of rage and, and, and uh, obscenities that are being spewed running back is just beyond stacked and stable, but I am excited to see what they do in the draft. I haven't done a ton of homework yet, but I'm excited to see what Peter puts out there. And we'll learn a lot of names between now and the draft of, you know, who we all want the Packers to pick and they'll pick none of them because they always seem to surprise us with some want. guy yeah. at the end of the day. But I'm the guy who's like, if you pick an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman in the first round of the draft every year, you'll never hear a complaint from me. So I'm a big get the big guys early and get the fast guys when you can.
2: Anything else you want to ask,
1: Cam Peter, before we move on? We've cut a lot, a lot of ground, a lot, yes. a lot of numbers, a lot. Of, we've cut a lot of players. We've restructured a lot of contracts. I guess more of a statement than anything. I, I guess Packers will get under the cap because they have to, right? So they'll get under the they'll get under the cap by March 16. 200 plus different combinations or permutations of how they get there until the first couple of dominoes start to fall we won't necessarily know what direction they're they're going because some of those players that Ken's mentioned, you know, take a Dean Lowry, for example, just just throwing that name out there, that might be a guy that they try to renegotiate with rather than cut outright. If they can renegotiate that, they may make a, a different decision somewhere down the line. If they have to cut him outright, that may change them into different directions, So I think. It's a kind of domino effect up till March the 16th.
0: Doing nothing is not an option. And so, like, I get a lot on on Twitter, be like, Ken, you know, they'll be fine. They have a plan. I'm like, well, of course they have a plan. They're a professional football team and this is their job. They're not just... Like Russ Ball didn't just start, you know, firing up his Excel spreadsheets, you know, the Sunday after the, the loss.
1: You know, but hey, you know, on, his door on February the first. Yeah, year. yeah. He this didn't he didn't problem. go to OTC
0: and be like, hey, where do they have us at? You know, like he's very well aware of where they're at. They've forecasted out several different paths with Rogers, without, with Adams, without, with both, with neither. Like, and then you add that to all these other guys, right? They obviously have a plan. There are the multiple plans. It's not going to go according to plan because it's not numbers on a spreadsheet. These are human beings with concerns and real life issues and, you know, just like any workplace. Right. And so, so there's a lot, a lot of work that needs to be done. The team's going to look different. It's not going to be easy. There are going to be some names that we love and know and root for and cheer for who've done really good things in Packers uniforms over the years who unfortunately just aren't going to be here. I'm excited, you know, that for, you know, I like being able to project and predict this stuff and come on here and talk about it with you guys. I appreciate you guys having me and I'm excited to see where this lands and what type of team the Packers are going to look like in 2022 and if they can uh, try and do a whole damn thing over again for a Super Bowl this time. And I guess the
1: good thing about it is all of this is going to transpire in the next few weeks March right. 16th right. isn't far away. When was the first domino last year?
0: And it was February 13th. And so that's the that's the Super Bowl this year. So they probably won't be pulling any moves then. It's a Valentine's Day massacre. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it could be. But that week is when we're probably going to start seeing, you know, some of the, the low-hanging fruit, some of these restructures. And then, you know, unfortunately, we're going to start seeing some names with the word cut release behind it. And then things are going to go down to the wire. I remember last year, Zadarius Smith was like the last thing that they needed to do because he really wanted an extension. The Packers were like, no, we want to add void years onto your deal. He said, no, give me my extension. And so they literally, they, I think they planned it. They're like, well, if it doesn't, if the negotiation doesn't go well and it's not going well, they did the simple restructure, which they didn't need Zadarius Smith's permission for because it's already he pre-approved it in the way the language of the contract where they can do a smaller version of the restructure. And that got him just under the cap right before the deadline. So we'll see. We'll see where the drama is, you know, whether it's smooth sailing and they get it all done in a week, which I highly doubt, or if it's going to go down to the wire, which will make it a little crazy. Yeah. So
2: thanks for listening to episode 75 of the Average Cheese podcast with our new friend and a special guest, Ken Ingalls. Go pack go.
1: Go pack go.